Well, so first of all, I would like to point out that the Lord loves me. I was only supposed to have one server this morning. I have three. Not only do I have three, I have the oldest server we have and the very youngest server we have sitting right next. No, we don't clap in mass. We never clap in mass. It's not a performance. But Simon literally just got his first communion last week, and Jordan is in undergrad. So that shows you the range of who the church calls to serve at the altar of the Lord, both the young and the old, because we want all of them and everyone in between, even you, Jeremy, to consider a vocation to the priesthood. That is why this whole ministry exists. That is the only reason this whole ministry exists, not in our parish, in the church global. It is to get young men to think about the possibility of advancing from their seat there to my seat yonder. Isn't that beautiful? And like I said, the Lord loves me, so he let me have all of this this morning because I was like, oh, I'd like to have incense at my last Mass at St. Paul's. Well, that's not going to happen when you have one server, but now I have three. So again, I say the Lord loves me, but it's up to you to decide if you agree. But anyway, now what I'd like you to do is just close your eyes. We're going to do some guided meditation. We never have enough time to pray, do we? So I'm going to help us do that now. Shut them. <laughs> We're just going to close those eyes. No one's going to mess with you, I promise, unless you have a little brother or sister around. Then you might need to keep your eyes open. But here's what I want us to do. I want you to imagine a beautiful sunny day, not a cloud in the sky, the temperature is absolutely perfect to whatever you want it to be so that there's a slight breeze, but you're still warm and the air is sweet, not stagnant. And as you look around, I want you to imagine that you are at a waterfall, but you aren't afraid and you're standing at the very top of this waterfall. But you aren't afraid because this waterfall is a height that you are comfortable with so make it as big or as little as you'd like in your mind right now. But for right now, you're just standing at the top of the waterfall, watching all those millions of gallons of water rush past you and hurdle themselves over that drop. And as you are there, at the top, looking down, you feel no fear. Again, this is a waterfall of your making. So if you're uncomfortable right now, that's your fault. But I want you to stand there and just take it all in. I also want you to know that if you jump off this waterfall, you absolutely will not get hurt, no matter how big you imagine it. So with that knowledge in mind, I want you to know that I am picturing something bigger than Niagara Falls. Because as I said, there's no risk. How much convincing would it take you to jump right now? I've told you, it's a height of your choosing that you're comfortable with, and you're not going to get hurt. Some of us may be ready to jump already, others not so much. Some of us might need more of a personal invitation. We may see others jump before us and see that they are fine, but still there is something within us that might say, I don't know about this, be careful. This could be dangerous. So now what I want you to do is picture that Jesus is standing right off the ledge of the waterfall. He's right in front of you, hovering miraculously as he sometimes does. And he says, just jump. I'll catch you. How many of us stay right there? Because where we are is where we are comfortable. 
and jumping brings with it its own risks and unknown unknowns, but if I stay right there, I know I'm safe. But I already told you, Jesus is there and he's asking you to jump. He knows that if you swan dive off that waterfall, you are going to be just fine. And in fact, you are going to enjoy it so much more than if you just stand there. How many of us jump? In some minds that I'm talking to, we have already jumped. For some of us have the personality that when we see something dangerous or crazy and exciting or new, we jump. And we may jump too soon, actually. We may need very little convincing. We may, in fact, jump before we even look at the bottom and really calculate what's going to happen. And in that way, we are like Elisha in the first reading. Elijah the prophet is walking, and he sees Elisha the youth plowing a field, and he doesn't invite him. He doesn't say anything to him. He weirdly just walks over and throws his cloak on the man while he's in the middle of Chorin. And then he moves on. Elisha knows who Elijah is, though, and he knows that this is a big deal, and he doesn't need a huge invitation. He jumps off the metaphorical waterfall as soon as he gets to the edge. What a beautiful example of abandonment to divine providence. There are others, as I said, others of us who, even after we have gone to the edge, we have calculated the percentage of survival and found it acceptable, and even though we have Jesus in front of us asking us to jump, we still aren't convinced. These are the people from the gospel who even though they have seen the Savior do miracles, they know he claims to be the Savior. He personally invites them to be disciples, and yet they come up with excuses as why they simply cannot follow him right now. Now, I am not asking us all to be impetuous and rash and to jump before we calculate risk, for that would absolutely be foolishness. I am saying, however, that if we feel the Lord is inviting us either in our prayer, or maybe he invites us through the voice and action of others, as in the case of Elijah. If the Lord is inviting us, then we should seriously consider the invitation. Ultimately, our spirit needs to be somewhere in the middle of these two examples of Elisha and the people of the gospel. We need to be someone who discerns the Lord's will. And then when we have that figured out, even if we only have it figured out for the next few moments, we execute that will faithfully to the best of our ability, trying to be faithful to our God. St. Paul says in the second reading, for freedom, Christ set us free. So stand firm and do not submit to the yoke of slavery again. When we live in the freedom of Christ, we are not bound by habitual sin. We are freed from the shackles of shame and guilt and we are truly open to the Lord's will, ready to follow him wherever he may lead. In this way, we have the radical openness of Elisha. We have the personal invita invitation from the Lord that we must respond to, like in the gospel. And the Lord does wait to hear our response. He waits every morning to see who we will serve that day. The problem with the disciples in the gospel is that they wanted to do their will, not the Lord's will. But the Lord waits to see every morning who we will serve. If when we wake up, we ask him, Lord, what do you want me to accomplish today? 
What do you want me to do, Holy Spirit? God the Father, who do you want me to bring your love to today? And isn't it funny, after we ask that of the Lord in prayer, that we see the one person we were hoping not to see all day long. But the Lord does ask you to love that person just as he does, to love them with reckless abandon, with no regard for the person and their faults, but rather just in the beauty of their humanity, loving them as another child of God. Now, speaking of children, Scott Plord is about to receive his first communion today. And so for a moment, none of you listen. This is all just directed at Scott. But Scott, the Lord does call you by name today to receive him in the Eucharist. By receiving Jesus, you open your heart to hear him call you each and every day. You are now old enough to know the difference between right and wrong. You have passed what the church calls the age of reason, and with it, you have become more of an adult in the faith, one that is open to the call of God in your life every single day. For by receiving the Eucharist, we are implicitly saying two things as Catholics. The first that we say with our action and our response to the Lord is that I love you. I love you, Lord, and I want to do your will. And the second thing expressly implied when we receive the Eucharist is that we are now also willing to take the love that we have received and bring it to the other people in the world. And this is the obligation of every Catholic that receives the Eucharist. We are freed from sin by baptism, and we are washed by the blood of the Lamb every time we go to confession. And then we have an obligation to bring Jesus to others after we have received him in our lives and have his grace.